welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Well, bro, we are getting ready for the Peach Bowl. We're one week out from Penn State's first ever appearance in the Peach Bowl, and uh, today's episode is going to be all about that. This is also uh, December 23rd. We're uh, recording right around noon, and um, you know we're just a day away from New Year's Eve. Uh, no, wrong. A day away from Christmas Eve. I'm already thinking about the Peach Bowl. That's what. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we're only a day away from Christmas Eve, and um, so I know you have made a a long journey across the country to get home for Christmas. Pretty yep. exciting. Yep. How was how was your trip? I, I made the journey the journey like the three wise men did with their frankincense and myrrh and gold, and except this now we're we're talking Franklin sense. All right. <laughs> Okay, that's what we want to do here today, Andy. I, I, I got a little sick earlier this week. Um, you know, I made the, the trip, the cross-country trip to, to Lewisburg from Denver, two-day trips. Spent the night, two nights ago on the Mississippi River at a hotel, um, and uh, it was pretty miserable. Still pretty miserable right now. I'll be <laughs> muting it, coughing and hacking throughout this episode. I love um, the commitment. I love the commitment. Yeah. It's like uh, Jordan in the, uh, you know, NBA it's finals. It's the blue game. It's the yeah, blue totally. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and it, so, so my flu game happens in, in the uh, the homemade sauna in mom and dad's walk-in closet. <laughs> All right, I'm sweating right now. Okay, <laughs> it's the good old days of like it, the very first season. Yeah. This was your recording. That's right, COVID uh, home, COVID it's home. Like, it's yep. amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, for me, um, I'm coming off of uh, a, a late night last night. We hosted our annual Christmas party for the church. We had about 45 people here. Um, really good time. Um, you know, fire in the fireplace and uh, uh, lots of uh, goodies that that were shared amongst everyone. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. And then, of course, uh, tomorrow I will be at the church for Christmas Eve services, so um, really kind of getting in that uh, Christmas spirit, but uh, happy to be able to set aside a couple hours here today to talk about the Peach Bowl. A lot of really interesting things to talk about, um, and that's really going to be the focus of today's podcast. Uh, the only really, you know, Penn State news outside of that is the uh, early signing day, which was um, earlier this week. Not a lot of drama there. Um Tom and no, I are going to none for us, none for Penn State. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Um, and uh, Tom and I are going to talk about that kind of our our last episode of this season as we're looking ahead. So we'll talk about those players and who's coming in and everything like that. But today, like I said, all about the Peach Bowl. Uh, as we get into the episode, want to uh, remind everyone: please subscribe or follow the podcast, uh, share it with your Penn State friends, write a review, give us a rating, send us an email. No mailbag entries yet again today. So um, we're just going to have uh, maybe one more episode. So if you're interested in uh, kind of having a year-end mailbag conversation with us, uh, send us an email, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Um, bro, with that, let's go ahead and talk about the Peach Bowl. Yeah. Old All right. I, I got to say, I did not put a Peach Bowl ditty together, but um, no, no, no extra <laughs> ditties today. Actually, no, that's, that's, that's not wrong. That, uh, Joel Bettner is going to be joining us at the end for By the Numbers. So we're going to get the uh, By the Numbers ditty. ditty. Okay. All right. But, um, All right. So just some basic info about the Peach Bowl. It's New Year's Six Bowl game. Um, it's being broadcast at noon on Saturday, December 30th, uh, almost exactly one week from today. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be on ESPN. Penn State currently favored, depending on the outlet, three and a half, four and a half points, something like that. Um, currently, the ever reliable FPI has Penn State as a seventy-five percent chance to win. So, don't know what to make of that. But yeah, th- th- truthfully, the more <laughs> I've been thinking Michigan about it, favored to or Penn State favored to beat Michigan. I, yeah, I mean, you know, too, so. all of these things with a grain of salt, of course. I think they also they also had Syracuse favored to beat South Florida the other night, oh, and South Florida throttled murdered. Syracuse with Kyle McCord on the sidelines. By the way, uh, forty-five to nothing. So FBI, Yo. you don't know anything at all. <laughs> Yeah, so I, you know, the more I'm looking at, the more this is looking like a very interesting game, very potentially uh, close game, very competitive game. Um, we're going to get into all that in a little bit, but uh, I wanted to start today by doing some history because this is the first time Penn State's in the Peach Bowl. It's also the first time Penn State will ever face Ole Miss on the football field. Yeah. So we're going to do a little... Uh, um, history digging and and talk about some of those things real quick on the Peach Bowl. All right. Um, first of all, uh, it should be noted from the outset it, with a win in the Peach Bowl, Penn State would be the first team to ever get a win in all the current New Year's Six Bowls. Yeah, and it would secure Franklin's what uh, f- fifth or sixth eleven win season. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have that right in front of me, but yeah, uh, second would, in a row. Which would be pretty second historic. in a row, which, which would be his first time doing two eleven back to back win seasons. But yeah. Ole Miss has never had an eleven win season, and Franklin has had five, at least five, in the, in uh, his tenure at Penn State already. So little little tidbit there that's fun to fun to realize and think about. <laughs> so the Peach Bowl goes back away. He's not quite as back as the Rose Bowl, you know, which we previewed last year, which was the early 1900s. But this has been played annually since 1968. Um, It's been sponsored since 1997 by Chick-fil-A. So it's now known as the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Um, It's been played at the Mercedes-Benz Arena since 2017 when that thing opened. So, you know, um, it'll be interesting. I think Penn State's first time playing in that arena. Um, It was at the Georgia Dome for like a quarter century before that. Um, interesting fun fact about the Peach Bowl. It's the first ever bowl that was organized around a charitable function um, created by the Lions Club uh, back in the day. And um, then when the Lions Club basically... Uh, Not the Nittany Lions Club, though, to be clear. No, no, no. Like the national organization. <laughs> you know, the, right. Yeah. Good point. Um, uh, it was taken over by the Atlanta Chamber of Commerce because uh, m- many years of lackluster attendance when with the Lions Club organizing it. Um a little note here that the Peach Bowl has donated more than $32 million to charity since 2016. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty significant um, and uh, something that distinguishes the Peach Bowl. Um, prior to it being a New Year's Six Bowl, um, which happened in 2014, it was um, the bowl that was the landing spot for the second place ACC team, or in some cases, maybe the the second best ACC team against an at-large team. Now, that at-large team uh, ended up being the SEC most years because of commitments that the Big Ten and the uh, Pac-12 had. You know, our second and third and fourth place uh, contenders were all kind of slotted in. That's why we were always at the, you know, uh, Outback Bowl or the Citrus Bowl a lot of years. So, um, not not a whole lot of uh, Big Ten teams in the Peach Bowl over the years, um, but 
that's starting to change now with uh, the New York Six uh, system. By the way, bro, I was thinking about this, and do you know that in 2016 we had a shot to to go to our first Peach Bowl because that was the year that number four Washington was selected to be in the CFP semifinal over Penn State, and that game was played. Yeah, what, but was Washington selected over Penn State, or was Ohio State selected over Penn well, State? Well, fair on. enough. I mean... But I get okay. your point. I get your point. E- either way, we if Penn played State would have landed at year. number four, yeah. then we would have been in the Peach Bowl that year. I but, you. Um, you know, here it is uh, seven years later, and we, we get there. It's a really well-attended bowl, by the way, other than um, 2020 and 2021. You're and it, 70... Plus yeah. thousand uh, people showing up to this game, and this year's game is sold out. That's awesome. So uh, there's still tickets available on the secondary market, um, but I guess all of the first run tickets are are gone. So, do you want to go? Are we going? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yesterday you sent me. I was <laughs> I was in a uh, I think an Ohio rest stop at in the in the restroom, and I got a text from my brother <laughs> that was a screenshot from Ticketmaster or StubHub or whoever, and it was sixty four dollars for a. Uh, for two seats, sixty-four dollars each for two seats at, at you know at Mercedes-Benz Stadium section, and then it. you're like, well, I can't go either way. But I just <laughs> thought it was interesting that they're available at this price. Yeah. All right, so I'll see you yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, definitely. Um, so, um, so that's the Peach Bowl for you. Uh, now let's talk about Ole Miss again. Uh, our first ever meeting of uh, Penn State and Ole Miss. Uh, so it's a zero-zero record. Um, and I was thinking about this too, bro. Last year. When we played Utah in the Rose Bowl, that was our first ever meeting against that team. So that's two years in a row that we're playing a team that we've never played before in the uh, bowl game. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's the first bowl now since the Cotton Bowl where we will be replacing both coordinators and we'll have two non you know, season long coordinators calling the game, calling the game for us on the sideline. Yeah, that'll be an interesting dynamic. We'll talk about that when we <laughs> when we talk a little bit more about the matchups and yep. storylines of the game. Um, but I wanted to just talk a little bit about Ole Miss as a university and as a football program because, I mean, truthfully, bro, uh, I mean, I'm aware of Ole Miss. You know, I mean, they've had some great quarterbacks over the years, including Eli Manning. Um, you know, who ended up winning a Super Bowl for the Giants and uh, Arch Manning, his dad. Was oh, also you mean, there. you mean, Ch- what's his name? Chuck Powers or, or what's his name? Chad Powers. <laughs> yeah. Chad Powers. Is that what you're talking Chad about? Powers. Chad, Chad Powers. Powers went to Ole Miss yep. <laughs> before he tried to uh, walk on at Penn State. Yeah. <laughs> Run on, excuse me. Run on. Uh, um, but um, yeah, I don't really know much about uh, Ole Miss. Um, you know, never spent a whole lot of time in the Deep South and, um, you know, I was saying to you before the uh, the episode, bro, that um, I didn't even know where it was. I mean, Oxford, Mississippi is the town that it's uh, just outside of, but I didn't know where Oxford, Mississippi was. Um, turns out Oxford, Mississippi, a far northern part of Mississippi, closer to Memphis than it is to the state capital, Jackson. It also appears to be closer to uh, Tuscaloosa than, you know, possibly some other places that you thought it was closer to yeah. <laughs> in, in <Yeah>. the state. <laughs> so um, there, there, it's not near the Mississippi River. It's a couple hours from the Mississippi. It's really in the center of the state, kind of hill country. There's a national forest nearby. Um, in fact, uh, the site was chosen because it was they were looking for like a, a rural sort of wooded area to have uh, a major public university. It was founded in 1848. Um, so that's a pre-Civil War founding, obviously. Um, and um, 
for 23 years, it was Mississippi's only public institution of higher learning. And for a century, it was Mississippi's only comprehensive university. Um, they have 24,000 currently enrolled. And, um, you know, part of that uh, history, of course, being pre-Civil War, there's some interesting things about that. For example, did you know, bro, that Ole Miss was shut down during the Civil War? For four years, they enrolled no students, and the campus became a military hospital. Uh, I did not know that because I did not know any history of Ole Miss, but I am eager to learn all that you have to share with me and our listeners because I all have, right, so I have, I'm on the same learning page right now with that. Buckle up because I've got an hour of information for you. No, all right. Um, no, but along those lines, um, the uh, campus of Ole Miss was occupied by Ulysses S. Grant during his Southern campaign. Wow. Grant stayed there for three years and um, was... It was basically planning to burn the place down when the army left. <laughs> and um, wow. there was, uh, as the story goes, there was one professor remaining on campus who convinced Grant to leave the university standing, which he did. Um, there's 700 uh, Confederate war dead buried on the campus because of that, uh, you know, fact that it was used as a hospital. Um, you know, and then a century later, of course, um, when the civil rights movement was sweeping through the South, um, probably one of the most prominent moments in the history of civil rights was the forced integration of Ole Miss. Um, you know, you, you've probably seen the black and white photos of uh, students being walked in. And basically at that time, um, a, a student uh, by the name of, hold on, I got to find it here, uh, James Meredith, the first African-American student to be enrolled at Ole Miss, was um, basically guarded by U.S. troops. Um, the riots that ensued caused more than 30,000 uh, federal personnel to be deployed and committed to um, tamp down the unrest. That's the largest single uh, uh, civil unrest disturbance uh, event of its kind, not just in the 60s, but in all of U.S. history. That happened at, at Ole Miss in the in the mid '60s, so um, yeah, wow. you know they've done a lot since then to kind of kind of uh, move on from there. Um, in in 1968, there were only a dozen black students enrolled, but their current enrollment um, is about 12 percent of their student body. Um, and for reference, Penn State's is only six percent. So interesting. I would not have know, guessed that. Yeah, clearly making some progress. I mean, for Penn there. State specifically, I would not have guessed that. Yeah, and then in the early 2000s, they did a bunch of things uh, to kind of help move on from uh, that that uh, civil war and civil rights uh, type history. Um, in 2002, they um, dedicated a statue in honor of James Meredith. And then on the 50th anniversary in 2012, they did a bunch of events and um, uh, the, the site of the riot was declared a national um, historic landmark and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to learn a little bit about that. Um, and a little about that part of Ole Miss history. I was thinking it's fascinating considering that Penn State, um, you know, especially in that same era, the 50s and 60s, our We Are uh, legacy was really about um, Penn State's uh, integration as a team and um, how, you know, when we went to, I think it was play in the Cotton Bowl, 
Um, you know, we weren't allowed to stay in any hotels because of, you know, the Green Book situation where um, African-Americans were not allowed to stay in, in most hotels. We actually had to stay, I believe, in a military barracks uh, for that game. And, um, you know, and that's how the attest, military barracks are pretty low rent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never stayed there personally. I but lived I can imagine. in them for a couple of years. <laughs> yes. Um, I think I've seen where you lived, actually. It, so you get a you get a metal locker. You get a, 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 a basically a cinder block bathroom, a mirror, a sink, and a bunk bed, and it's great. <laughs> but I think the um, the idea, you know, at the time was like Penn State was invited to come and play without any of their African American students, and and you know Penn State said, well, no, 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 we are Penn State. And so if you're going to play us, you're going to play all of us. Um, so it's interesting that at that same time period, you know, Ole Miss and Penn State were kind of on different sides of that at, at the time. Yeah. Um, in some ways, Ole Miss is still kind of um, reckoning with some of that. For example, um, they're even Ole Miss, the name, uh, I was surprised to learn uh, that it is not a shorthand for Old Mississippi. Yeah, I my entire life assumed that that is exactly what it was. Um, apparently, the uh, the common understanding is that Ole Miss was the name given to the senior house slave to differentiate them from the young misses. And so there's like this like alma mater, like caring for, like going home kind of thing to Ole Miss, who's going to take care of you. And um, so that's that kind of surprised me that that's what that nickname means. Obviously, there's probably a little bit of a double entendre there with Mississippi, but that's probably uh, how they get away with you know having not have been forced to change that name right at this point in time. Right, and uh, you know, in addition to that, their um, their mascot name or the sports nickname is the Rebels, which of course goes back to you know the Confederate War or the Civil War and the Confederate Army, and um, their mascot for a long period of time was Colonel Reb, uh, a Civil War soldier, and um, they retired that guy uh, back in two thousand two. And they haven't really had a, a straight up sports mascot since then. There was um, the Rebel Bear was was one for for about ten years, um, based on an old William Faulkner novel. Um, the Faulkner House was actually on Ole Miss campus. Um, and then <laughs> in twenty seventeen, uh, the student body uh, nominated uh, the Tony the Land Shark to be the new mascot, <laughs> which is an anthropomorphic shark <laughs> uh, because one of their um, former players, um, a guy named Tony, I can't remember his last name, uh, put his hands together at the top of his helmet because he was he was a defensive player and he was a shark out for blood, you know, and so... Um, well, they, well that, they, that's interesting <laughs> that, that, you know, there are obviously a lot of teams have, you know, a, a laundry list of like mascots that they've gone through. So yeah. a little... A little Trivia, Andy. Do you know who Penn State's uh, mascot was before the Nittany Lion? Yeah, it was like a mule or something, wasn't it? Old Coley, <laughs> yeah. who was the mule that helped construct Old Main. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, real quick, uh, so it says, his, I'm reading it here, um, Old Coley, 1855 to 1893 was his, his lifespan, a mule who helped build the, the original Old Main building on the campus of the Pennsylvania State University and gained fame as an early Penn State mascot. Born in Kentucky in 1855, came to Pennsylvania in 1857 with his owner, 
uh, Purcell Lytle, whose son Andy was among the workmen hired to construct Old Main. Andy, thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of glad we don't have Old Coley as our mascot <laughs> yeah, anymore. The, the old trusty work mule. <laughs> the Penn State down the mules. Field, three yards in a cloud of Old Coley. <laughs> uh, All right. Anywho, carry um, on. Carry on. Just one last little bit about the the, the mascot and, and Ole Miss and the Rebels. The original nickname for the sports teams back in 1929, when the you know the teams are kind of like realizing we got to have a mascot name or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mississippi Flood. That is a great team name, in my opinion. I don't know why they don't just go back to that because that is awesome. Uh, well, it's because probably it's been a hundred years and they're entrenched in the, the rebels yeah, of <laughs> at course, this point. Of course. So, yeah. Yeah. The, I'm but sure if, they the were ever forced, if they were ever forced to change, you know, due to, you know, the, the current social, um, you know, climate, uh, Mississippi flood might be their, their number one choice. <laughs> yeah, apparently they moved away from that because of how terrible the great Mississippi flood of 1927 was. <laughs> it was, uh, too much salt in the woods. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you can imagine, like, you know, there's been a little bit of rumblings, you know, nothing serious as far as you know, but the Nittany Lions, you know, it goes back to Nittany and sort of the the legend of the Indian princess and, and you know, is right. there appropriation involved in that name? And you can imagine the alumni base would be up in arms if the university moved away from that. You know, it's no just... Doubt. It's you know it's just so so much a part of of, of Penn State's identity. So I, anyway, by the way, I think I think that that Ole Miss still uses Colonel Reb's likeness on like they're still buying merchandise down there with Colonel Reb all over it. Like yeah. I I like I like recently I've still seen his likeness. Well, it's like the chipmunk logo got retired for a while, but did they, it? When? Yeah, yeah. When I was there, they had that. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, but they still, Andy. I I know they they didn't retire the chipmunk. It was still. I actually just watched um, the 1997 Ohio State at Penn State game um, last night with Dad. Actually, the the one hour version of it, and and that the 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 logo that you're talking about was in the end zone. Um, uh, like where the where the fans come out of the, or the team comes out of the tunnel, it was a, the logo was above the tunnel right there. Yeah. Um. And and but the the, the end zone still had the chipmunk in them. So it was so a dual thing. Yeah. They thing. were trying to yeah. bring in a new logo. They didn't retire. The, all that the, to the, say, the all that to say, like you know, when you have a beloved logo or mascot right. or nickname, like it, it's no it's no good. amount of going away from it can actually. Retire. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, that's 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 a little bit about Ole Miss. Now they've been part of the SEC. You know, switching over to thinking about some of their sports history. They've been part of the SEC since its founding mm-hmm. in 1932. Um, outside of football, um, the Ole Miss baseball team has played in the College World Series six times. They actually won it in 2022. And did you know they have a men's basketball team? Like uh, Penn State doesn't have one, but Ole Miss does. <laughs> uh, Penn State just had a big win the other night against a team that I don't even I don't think I've ever seen that school name before, but we beat them. Um, so yeah, I did not know that Ole Miss, quote unquote, had a basketball team. But I yeah, but they the they've SEC, won the SEC sure. twice. Yeah, they've won the SEC twice as a basketball team. But in football, um, you know they. Uh, 
they have some interesting parallels to Penn State in football. Let's just put it that way. Um, now, uh, just a they little bit about They lost to their, their two best teams in the conference this year and beat everybody else? Is that what you mean? Well, there's <laughs> one similarity for sure. <laughs> um, but um, no, no. I mean, uh, in the 1940s, there was a, uh, a, a you know an iconic coach who took them from irrelevance to national provenance, uh, prominence. This guy's name is Johnny Vaught, um, began coaching in 1947. He was an All-American at TCU. Um, and over the next 24 years, he had 23 winning records and um, made uh, Ole Miss a, a fixture in the national polls. Uh, in 1960, they were named national champions by the Football Writers Association, which is um, not the same as the college Coach uh, the coaches bowl uh, or the AP, but um, they were good enough to get that um, designation. In 1962, they posted a 10 and 0 season, their only undefeated, untied season in their history. Um, they capped off that season with a victory in the Sugar Bowl. Sh- excuse me, Sugar Bowl. Uh, but even though they were undefeated in the 1960s, they only finished number three in both major polls. It sounds a little uh, bit like Penn State, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so, um, overall, in the 1960s, under Vought, uh, they posted the ninth best winning record in the country over the course of that decade. Um, since he retired in 1970, um, they've kind of had a revolving door of coaches, um, never really getting back to that uh, upper echelon. Um, now, over the last 20, 30 years or so, I'm just going to name some names that most people will recognize. Tommy Tuberville. Coached them from 95 to 1998. Uh, in that 1998 season, he was quoted as having said, saying, um, ha- having said, they'll have to take me out of here in a pine box, uh, indicating how long he was planning to stay at Ole Miss. And then two days later, he accepted the job as head coach. Money of talks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ed Orgeron uh, coached them from 2005 to 2007, had the worst record of any coach uh, since Johnny Vaught. Uh, he had a, like a, <laughs> I did not know that. I mean, I like, remember he coached her. I didn't remember it was that bad. It was like in the 200s, his winning percentage. It was, he it was, very was. Bad. And then Hugh Freeze um, coached from 2011 to 2017. The old um, Hugh Freeze up to his strange and precarious ways. Yeah, I mean, and this was, uh, Hugh Freeze was uh, a disaster for them because... Well, um, not initially. He was he was actually a great coach for them. Yes. Because yes. he was pulling in recruits, um, you know, and, and obviously pulling them in in the wrong way. But he had some, a couple of really good seasons with some of those recruits. And you may continue. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, he was found to have been... Well, first of all, he was discovered to have been calling escorts with a school-issued cell phone. Which is, I guess, a no-no. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, it was qu- qu- part of a quote concerning pattern. I guess is what investigators said, and they found out then as they started investigating that that in fact Freeze had cheated on fifteen occasions by breaking recruiting rules, rules, uh, and allowed students to play who hadn't maintained required academic standing. Um, same pattern was in place with his predecessor Houston Nutt, and um, in 2019 the NCAA came down and uh, punished Ole Miss by stripping the team of 33 wins over the course of six seasons. They lost 33 wins. um, And uh, Freeze's official record at Ole Miss went from 39 and 25 over five seasons to 12 and 25. (laughs) Yeah, that'll 
That'll hurt. Um, but in he, addition by the way, to he's the, got a job right now. He's yeah. got a job. He's had several jobs since that job. I know. I mean, <laughs> the reformation of Hugh Freeze is a story in and of itself. Um, but uh, in addition to that, bro, um, they also stripped uh, scholarships from the team for four years. So they're just getting over that scholarship um, limitation. And they banned the team uh from postseason play for two years. So interestingly enough, Lane Kiffin, who was hired in December of 2019, is coming and he's very similar position to James Franklin, who, you know, started his time at Penn State while Penn State was still under the shadow of sanctions. And, um, you know, it was in 2016 when those sanctions were finally lifting that Franklin began to have some of his initial real success. And here we are. Uh, Kiffin as well, now in 2023, um, having some good success. Um, in fact, he has the second highest winning percentage of any coach at Ole Miss since uh, uh, Johnny Vaught uh, back in the day. So um, there's your education, your historical education about Ole Miss and uh, Ole Miss football over the years. Uh, bro, any questions? <laughs> um, all I care about is who wins the game at this point. <laughs> Um, because, because like I said, you know, <laughs> um, Lane Kiffin is being measured against two great teams in his conference right now. And he lost yes. both those games. And that's the yes. real comparison. And these two coaches can't win the big game against a, you know, a high ranking team on the road, even though this is obviously neutral site field and all that kind of stuff. These two coaches need to win a big game. And this is what this is to these two teams currently. Yeah, effectively a top 10 matchup. I mean, yeah, this is 11th, is. but, um, yeah. you know, these are two teams that are, that are, you know, in the kind of rankings that would make them eligible for next year's playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, yeah we're right on the coach, cusp of the top 12. That's really what two coaches who are, who are highly talked about in the college football world, but who have not quite gotten up to that upper echelon, you know? Well, and um, one thing that, that James does not compare, uh, sadly, one thing that James does not compare to Lane Kiffin uh, is the transfer portal. Uh, Ole Miss is, and Lane Kiffin is reg- very, very good year in and year out in the transfer portal since its inception. I um, heard someone say that um, Ole Miss is the top team in the transfer portal in terms of... Yeah, I think they kind of like jockey with like Colorado in that, uh, depending on wh- whose rankings you're going by. But um, very, very good, um, yeah. uh, you know, a success. I mean, their quarterback, the Jackson Dart, which we'll get into, he was, came from USC, and there's a number of other players uh, that, that are, you know, we don't, we don't go into the, to all the different, um, you know, re, uh, transfer portal recruits that he's gotten over the years, but it's it's worthy of note that that's one way that, that Ole Miss has been constructing um, their team is through, is through heavy transfer portal uh, usage, whereas Franklin... Is, is trying to you know maintain the the status quo with recruit you know old fashioned recruiting uh, more so and then picking and choosing a couple of ones and twos here and there so they are different different coaches in a lot of ways personality wise and and kind of um, just how they go about uh, constructing their team as well. Yeah. So as we get to thinking about this Ole Miss team that we're going to face, I did want to just spend a moment to talk about uh, Lane Kiffin. Because he is a personality. I mean, he is one of the, you know, big personalities in the college football world these days. I mean, he's active on Twitter. Um, If anyone follows Twitter or I guess X as it's now called. I don't like calling it X, by the way. I, I refuse. 
I have never called it X, and I, I won't be for any time soon. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of rebranding, like that, that was bad. Bad. Anyway, um, yeah, active on Twitter. So if you if you're active on Twitter, you want to follow someone who's funny and and has some interesting things to say at times. Lane Kiffin's your guy. Um, he is not a your typical guarded head coach personality, buttoned up by any means. Um, you know, just two quick examples that um, you know initially when um, Lane Kiffin thought he was going to be play- found out he was going to be playing Penn State, he was like, "Gee, hope some of these guys uh, transfer out." James when they were on their conference call, and then when Chop Robinson declared that he was opting out um, and and working on the NFL, Lane Kiffin you know tweeted at him, "Congratulations, Chop! Really happy for you." <laughs> <laughs> Great career, Chop. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Oh, um, okay. And then, and then when Manny Diaz, the architect of our top-rated defense, um, went to Duke, he sent him a big congratulations as well. <laughs> you know, so um, Lane Kiffin is definitely interesting in some of that uh, online trolling, and and seems to have some fun. But he's also gotten himself in trouble from time to time over the years. Um, and um. You know, some of the places he's been before here, uh, you know, you'll remember some key names from his stint at USC when he was offensive coordinator under Pete Carroll, including Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and Lendale White. I mean, he was the OC during the 2005-2006 era when uh, USC was everything and they won their national championship and Reggie Bush won his Heisman Trophy. Uh, he was there for that. Um and then when Carroll left um, and USC was, you know, on the cusp of falling apart, he also got his uh, uh, golden gig uh, at the Oakland Raiders, where he lasted for less than two seasons. He, he was ousted um, partway through his second season. Um, Al Davis fired him for cause, apparently, even though the real cause was that he wasn't winning. Um, there's a bit of a lawsuit about that, and Kiffin lost that lawsuit, apparently. Um, after that, he was head coach at Tennessee, which was a glorious one-year stint after which he bolted for the head coaching job at USC. <laughs> um, and Tennessee hates him now. With a passion. <laughs> yeah, they do. They definitely do. And then students rioted when he was leaving campus. Well, especially now that he's like just south of them. <laughs> right? Um, and then um, the USC stint didn't go great because they were dealing with their own sanctions at the time. Um, USC won the division in his second year, but they weren't able to play in the Pac-12 championship game because of those sanctions. And then his third and fourth years were not great. And he was fired on the tarmac getting back from, I think it was an Arizona state game. They like the coach pulled him aside into a, like a private room in the airport and said, dude, you're fired. Uh, find a different way back <laughs> home. And the team bus left without him. Yeah. I, it was, it was weird, man. Yeah. Um, Definitely but strange. From there, kind of the Kiffin story takes starts to take a positive turn. He did a couple of years of rehab under Saban as the OC at Alabama during some of their great years of offense, and then uh, was head coach at Florida Atlantic, um, and then landed this Ole Miss job um, right around 2020, and he's finishing his fourth year there. So, um, as I mentioned, he's got a pretty darn good record at Ole Miss. He's 23 and 13 overall, which is a uh, uh, 63% winning percentage, winning percentage. Um, 
The Rebels have been to four consecutive bowl appearances, two New Year's Six Bowls in those four years, um, and they've only lost two of their last 23 home games. So there's some good things happening under Kiffin, and he just got a contract extension. Uh, details were not publicized, but um, when it was announced, uh, the athletic director said it was Kiffin's unprecedented success that the team has experienced that um, got him that extension. They're ecstatic that they can keep him for a few more years. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this season, um, very similar to Penn State. They put together a 10-2 campaign. Uh, Their only losses were to uh, college playoff caliber programs in their conference, Alabama and Georgia. Um, Like Penn State, they're finishing with a New Year's Six Bowl appearance. You know, they're playing us, and they're ranked just one behind Penn State at number 11. Just a whole lot of things that that line up. Uh, Ole Miss is sort of like trying to crack that top echelon, just like Penn State. Uh, coaches that are dealing with similar uh, challenges, um, and um, that should be a really interesting matchup for all those reasons. All right, so last thing before we talk about the actual matchups, all right? Um, Ole Miss's season. They started the season ranked number 22. Their best win was probably a better win than Penn State's best win, a 55 to 49 shootout versus 13th ranked LSU. That moved them from number 20 to number 16 after that win. Um, but as we said, they had those two losses against Alabama and Georgia, which kind of knocked them back. And and by the end of the season, they they worked their way up after stringing together 10 wins uh, to number 11. Now, they did have um, a lot more close games than Penn State did in, in the non Alabama and Georgia games. Uh, for example, they had a, a 28 to 21 win at Auburn, um, a 38 to 35 win versus Texas A&M. And that was a come behind win. Um, I think, I think they, the, the, the thing we're seeing here, Andy, is that their defense gives up points. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Their offense, even, is to, score. even to middling offenses, their, 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 their defense, their is, defense is going to score, but their offense, excuse me, their offense is going to score, but their defense is going to give up points. And um, yeah, they've been in a lot of close games. In fact, they, they only beat Arkansas 20 to 27, and that was a come from behind win. Um, they, they were down by three before uh, putting up 10 unanswered points uh, to close the game. The Texas A&M win, I was about to say, was a uh, come from behind win in the last two minutes. Even uh, Michigan State, uh, excuse me. I have it listed as MSU. You mean Mississippi State. <laughs> Mississippi yeah. State. Mississippi tell me you're State. a Big Ten fan without telling me you're a Big Ten fan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, MSU means Michigan State, right? No. Yeah. Uh, against Mississippi State, their final game in the Egg Bowl, um, Mississippi State had an interim coach, and that was a 17-7 to game. Was- yeah, Andy, and, and, and just to kind of harp on their two losses, the, you know, Alabama's defense and Georgia's defense are both, I would say, similar in caliber to Penn State's defense. And Ole Miss only scored 10 points against Alabama in a 24-10 to loss and 17 points against Georgia in a 52-17 to loss. So... I mean, Penn State's losses don't look quite as bad as, as especially that Georgia loss to, to you know Ohio State and Michigan. So I, you know, I, I, I do, I do view 
Penn State as a better team here, but like certainly the the defense for Ole Miss is very suspect. Um, it'll it'll yeah, be their their offense is explosive and can give us problems. And, and they maybe, only scored seventeen in the Egg Bowl to Mississippi State mm, with well, an interim you know, coach. Everyone has an off day, right? Uh, we hello, got some interim Indiana. coaches coming on in here. They're happy to 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 humiliate Lane Kiffin on social media after the win. <laughs> Happy yeah, to, <laughs> no doubt. Um, but you know, this is a dangerous team, uh, uh, and um, you know, one that that fared very well in a difficult division in a difficult conference, a conference that you know likes to think of themselves as the premier conference in major college football. And um, yeah, they got some interesting things to play for, man. Um, they've made waves in the portal, as you've said, and you know, they're gunning for higher goals next year. Uh, this game could definitely be, you know, a springboard for them. Um, you know, Kiffin, like Franklin, has a reputation for not winning the big game. And so no doubt that's going to be a strong motivation for both he and his team. Um, yeah, and like Penn State, their position to take advantage of the expanded playoff next year, they want to measure themselves against the best teams from around the country. And I, no doubt they're going to be giving Penn State their best shot. So Bro, uh, with that, let's um, take a closer look at Ole Miss and specifically uh, their offense and their defense. And to me, it makes sense we start with their offense because that's really kind of the the part of the team that most people are talking about is going to be uh, an interesting matchup with Penn State's defense. Yeah. Um, so the, the Ole Miss offense, I... <laughs> I think they might have the ability to be one of our greatest uh, tests for the defense all year. You know, we played Ohio State, um, and while, you know, Ohio State got better of us, um, you know, they had Marvin Harrison Jr., which was the difference, but but I don't think Kyle McCord looked great in the game, and I don't think um, their running attack was was very potent against us either. So I, I wouldn't say Ohio State was a, an offensive outpouring of, uh, you know, production against us. And, and in the Michigan game, you know, they were very one-dimensional, albeit, you know, in a, in a uh, you know, a decisive victory, um, but they weren't just like, you know, bombing the ball over the place in the run or the pass. They were, they were getting chunk, uh, small chunks of yardage in the, in the, in the run game. And it just, it wasn't like a, a, a very, um, you know, exemplary performance for the offense for, for Michigan either. So Ohio, uh, Ole Miss's offense has the chance to show Penn State's defense um, some things that they haven't shown so far. Um, and it's it starts with Lane Kiffin as the as the play caller. He does have a co OC in Charlie Weiss Jr., who is the son of the former New England uh, offensive coordinator who wants a couple uh, Super Bowls with Tom Brady, who's also the um, former Notre Dame head coach, also former Kansas head coach. Charlie Weiss, uh, and they run a spread style offense there. Um, they have three wide receivers who uh, you know, have caught balls um, all over all over the field. They, they they all have more yards than any of our wide receivers do, and they're catching balls from um, Jackson Dart, uh, who is a USC transfer. He's a junior. He's six foot two, two twenty. He also has um, over three hundred yards rushing. Um, he's the eighteenth best QBR in the country. Um, and he did he did get a little dinged up uh, down the stretch for them, but with a month off between um, you know th- their last game and the bowl game, uh, he's uh, presumed to be healthy for the game, so that's not really much of a concern. Um, but yeah, they spread the ball around Andy, and um, 
uh, I'm, I'm going to pull up a couple of uh, stats from 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 the the, the Ole Miss offense here. Um, they have, uh, th- like I said, three wide receivers who have more receiving yards than our best, uh, and they all have more than 741 yards. They have Trey Harris, um, who has 851 yards. Dayton Wade has 769 yards. Jordan Watkins has 741 yards. And they have a tight end who's their fourth leading receiver. He has nearly as many yards as our second leading receiver, which happens to be our tight end um, in Johnson. So they they get the ball out. They move it a lot. They they actually, you know, Penn State, um, we had one of the best time of possessions in the country uh, as far as like holding on to the ball for a long period of time. Uh, Ole Miss does not. They they're they're towards the the bottom third in the country and um, in time of possession. That's because they move the ball and they move it quick. Uh, they also have a thousand yard rusher in Quinshawn Judkins and Quinshawn Judkins. Um, he's a sophomore, 5'11", 210. Um, you're gonna you're gonna. You're gonna know his name by the end of the end of the Peach Bowl, I presume. Thousand yards, fifteen touchdowns. Now, this year it was his follow-up campaign to a breakout season last year, where he had nearly sixteen hundred yards, five point seven yards per carry, and sixteen touchdowns. He followed it up this year with a thousand-yard season, but much less efficient. Four point four yard average per carry. Still similar uh, in, in number of touchdowns with fifteen, but. Nick Singleton actually rushed for only a .1 yard average less than he did. So something tells me that um, that offensive line isn't quite as good as it was last year. They're also uh, giving up uh, quite a bit of sacks. Um, uh, they, they're they're you know Penn State is one of the best in the country in not giving up sacks. And and uh, I, I don't have the exact sack total in front of me here. I think it's a uh, twenty six total given up this season for seventy fifth nationally. Thank you very much, Andy. I, I knew I had that somewhere, and that's why I'm glad I gave it to you beforehand. I you out, man. That's Appreciate what brothers that. do. Yeah, um, my current setup right now in this closet mind you uh <laughs> it's different from my office i have three screens in my office where i can have all this stuff easily and i'm just like crouched on a little cubicle uh like a little like footstool right now in this office with just one if we, little baby if we screen. put these things on youtube <laughs> it, like you guys would get such a kick out of what i'm saying yeah you know so i'm um, just stepping back like big picture from their offense and like of course yeah. jackson dark quinchon judkins and lane kiffin i mean by the way, it just sort of reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, our 2016 season where it was just, you know, tons of passing, very dynamic and a, a really good running back. Um, you know, and Lane Kiffin, he's the guy that was the architect of the uh, the USC big offense all the way back in 2005, 2006. So dangerous yeah. offense, yeah, quality players. But, you know, big picture, they you know, they've done some good things. You know, you mentioned they've given up a lot of sacks, but total offense in the top 15 nationally, 455 yards per game. Yeah. Um, passing efficiency, 11th nationally. Passing offense, 26th nationally. They're, they're putting up 277 passing yards per game. By the way, Penn State, uh, 204 passing yards per game. Yeah. Um, compare this to Ohio State, who t- has 282. So their, their, their passing attack would be pretty comparable, at least in terms of yards, uh, to Ohio State. Um, 
uh, you know, knocking on the door of 3,000 yards for the season passing. Yeah. Um, and 19th ranked scoring offense, you know, and, which and is. Mi- and mind you, by the way, they are just behind Penn State in a. a their, Penn State has only turned the ball over um, six times on the entire season, which is second nationally. Uh, and. Uh, Ole Miss has only tur- has turned the ball over seven times. That's one one more turnover than Penn State's second yeah, ranked so national. A dynamic turnover. offense that doesn't give the ball up a lot right. is, is you know. And Penn State's bread and butter this year has been getting turnovers and um, putting our offense in a good position so that we don't have to like go eighty or ninety yards, you know, yeah. with our with now, our slow churning offense. Now, now Jackson Dart ha- has thrown five interceptions, and that's that's low for I guess you know the number of yards he's passed for. But when they do turn the ball over, it is through the air. So something to, to keep keep an eye on with our secondary, as you know, we have you know a week. We're a week, officially, I think, a week away from the game. So far, we have only had two defensive opt outs uh, in Chop Robinson, and and I believe we 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 only have seen it as expected to opt out from the bowl game, Johnny Dixon. Um, yeah. Haven't heard about Kalen King yet. Um, but, we do um, know they're all all our starting cornerbacks, including Daquan Hardy, are leaving for the NFL. But all we know right now is Johnny Dixon is expected to opt out. So, um, so yeah, we will see about our put, secondary. Uh, it's th- going to put our secondary on yeah. notice. And I also think our, our passing, uh, our pass rush, you know, can we disrupt... Jackson Dart, yeah, can we uh, force him into making some mistakes or errant throws and and get off the field? Because, um, you know, we have seen at times um, uh, other teams' passing attacks hurt us. I mean, certainly against Ohio State, there were a number of passes that felt like, man, I wish we could have shut them down. And then against Indiana, we had some breakdowns that really – uh, bit us and you know gosh team like Indiana almost mm-hmm. beat us because of their yep. you know ability to connect on some long passes so um we're going to have to be extremely um you know aware of of that potential for sure and of course they you know we've been really good on run defense this year um every game except really the Michigan game we've been able to shut teams down on the ground um but but they've got a really great running back and um yeah it's going to pose a real challenge for us it'll be really exciting to see how our defense nationally ranked defense um is able to to you know play against this uh, dynamic passing attack now, on defense, bro, uh, you know, they are making a transition to one of the better defensive coordinators in the country, a guy named Pete Golding, who's just hired away from Alabama in the offseason. Yeah, he spent and- five seasons at Alabama prior to this year, just FYI. And he's making, they hired him away from Alabama. I don't know if, I don't know how it worked out. I don't have the, 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 the inside, you know, SEC, Bama, Ole Miss knowledge to know, did, did Saban, like, want him to, to leave or, you know, cause he was a part of some really good defenses that, um, and won a national title, um, down there at Alabama as a, as a defensive coordinator. So, um, in five seasons leading the Crimson Tide, Alabama ranked t- uh, top 20 in the FBS in scoring defense every year and finished top 10 in either scoring or total defense four of those five years. Um, so they're yeah, paying him. They're paying him one point nine million dollars this this past se- this season to to coach the defense. And just so you know, Penn State hired Tom Allen uh, over th- th- this during this past week. Uh, Tom Allen in his third season at Penn State will make one point seven million. So he'll start at one point one point five if I'm not 
mistaken, and it goes up 0.1 million every year uh, from that point in time. So, so now, now for what it's worth. Ole Miss had to make a competitive, uh, you know, um, offer to get him to come to Ole Miss. I assume from Alabama or to be not to be hired away from another team. Penn State didn't have anyone competing for Tom Allen. Franklin just scooped him up before anyone else was trying to, um, you know, wave the, their team's flag in front of their face. So um, that that's that's an in- interesting hire for Ole Miss. Uh, they're certainly swinging for the fence down there. Um, in fact, you know, Lane Kiffin said. We're excited to add a championship caliber coach. At multiple stops in his career, Coach Golding has directed some of the college football's top defenses. He's also an outstanding recruiter and understands the level of talent necessary to compete at the highest level. Um, and speaking and of talent yeah, level, though, exactly. bro, like you know, their performance this year has not been on par with Pete Golding's no. Alabama stop. And I would assume a lot of that is talent level. He hasn't yes. gotten the recruiting machine going. And, um, you know, so so they are middle of the pack at best on defense this year. And I think, you know, barring some sort of transformation that's occurred over their bowl prep, that's going to provide an opportunity for our offense. Um, you know, it's not going to be like going up Ohio State or uh, up against Michigan uh, on defense. You know, we're going to have some opportunities to move the ball, excuse me, move the ball. Um, so why don't you take us through some of, you know, how they run their defense and what we're going to see from them, you know, from a talent and uh, statistical perspective. Well, so interestingly enough, uh, and I don't think, I don't know if this is how he ran it in Alabama or not, but they run like, uh, it's it's like a three like I don't even know how to put it. It's like a three, four, five. I, it's, three they, plus one. Is it's like weird. A, it's a three. It's like a have, three, two, five plus one. Right. So the plus one is this position called the buck, and I believe it's like a like a like a roving edge defender essentially that can also drop into coverage. Because on the depth chart, it's it's actually Cedric Johnson is the buck, uh, and he's he's opted uh, oh, out yeah. of the game. Okay. Yeah, he won't so, be there. And the guy behind him is an, actually an outside linebacker, um, uh, Sunter. I'm sorry, Sunterine Perkins is his name, um, and he's a, he, like I said, he's an outside linebacker. But Cedric Johnson is on the depth chart as a defensive end, but playing the buck position. So I look at it as like it's a havoc wreaking player who is from the front seven somewhere so kind of like a micah parsons for the cowboys where he kind of is right hybrid. right yeah so they, and um, they just call it the buck and then they have three linebackers excuse me two li- two other linebackers and then um and then five defensive backs with a nickel yeah back. but they do play with three down yep they have a nose lineman tackle. on yep. on defense with the nose tackle right yep and 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 uh, yeah, so their their de- their top defensive end with Cedric Johnson now is a guy named Ivy Jared who has the same number of sacks as uh, Cedric Johnson who's opting out five and a half. Um, so he'll be called upon to to be the guy on the edge, kind of you know uh, attacking whoever's you know playing the Olu's position. <laughs> I imagine um, that I assume they'll try and uh, attack a, a, whoever's um, stepping in for Olu as opposed to going after a fifth-year senior, Caden Wallace. Uh, I imagine that's just uh, you know, schematically how they'll try and uh, create havoc for our our offense. Um, sure. But so so it's it's really statistically. Uh, 
a pretty bad, I don't want to say bad, but um, I mean, you saw LSU scored, what, 49 49? against them? Yeah. Like, I mean. They gave up 52 points to Georgia and 42 to Alabama as well. So like what's the the number, what's the most most points a team has scored on Penn State all year? You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, it was Alabama. No, no, Indiana, (laughs) Indiana. There you go. And Michigan at 24. That's correct. So double that. And that's still not the most points that Ole Miss has given up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see like the talent level that Penn State has on, you know, including our offensive line, but also, you know, quarterback like Drew Aller and our two really solid running backs are great tight ends. Like, can we find ways to exploit this defense who against the top talented teams in the country has really not managed to slow teams down? You know, now they did have a like, for example, they held Mississippi State to seven points, you know, um, some of the other lower level teams, they, they've held to low point totals. But when you get to that upper level, like even Auburn, you know, they, they gave up, uh, you know, I think 27 points to Auburn or something like that. So um, 35 points to a, a Texas A&M team that really had a hard time putting it together this yeah. year. So some opportunities, perhaps opportunities. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, so. But you know, you give a give a team a month to prepare. Anything's possible. True. Yeah, it, it, we're going to need to be prepared. You absolutely. know, this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. For this, this game, is not a right? pushover team. I think this is actually a, two teams that are pretty evenly matched, especially when you consider the fact that we're down two coordinators and out two of our best defensive players. Um, it really, you know, you like you to know, think that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. You'd like to think that our offense um, got the ball rolling with our, our co- co-OCs, interim co-OCs. Yeah, that's the, just the what I was going to say. Yep. And, and that, that those two games really gives those two co-OCs, you know, Ty Howell and um, uh, J1 Sider, an opportunity to, to put a lot of ideas uh, together over the, the last month to prepare for this Ole Miss defense. Um, I, so I, I, I don't... You know, it says Penn State has a, a pretty good chance of, of winning this game with FPI, and I think we're favored by like four or five points or something like that. Um, I look at this more straight up. I look at this as a, yeah, a bit too. of a coin flip game, to be honest yeah. with you. I don't feel yeah. highly confident. Now, I also didn't feel highly confident going into the Utah game last year either. So, yeah, I mean, Franklin showed us something with having those guys prepared to play Utah, you know, as a program and prepared to play the bowl game, you know, coming out of the holidays. So, you know, I think if we play a sharp game, if we play our our best kind of game, if we don't have a lot of lapses, I I really do think we've got a good shot to win it. I think probably we're the most talented, more talented team on the field. Oh, we definitely Um, are more talented than they are for sure. But, Um, but Ole Miss is a very dangerous team. And, and if they come in, you know, with a, with a fire lit underneath them, uh, if we, aren't really paying attention if we have lapses like we did say in the indiana game um it could be a a unpleasant day yeah (laughs) you know so so here's here's where the opportunity um in my opinion uh lies here's some here's some defensive rankings uh uh, for them of note uh that that kind of will you know give you a a firmer picture of of where our offense has has opportunity uh their total defense ranks only 58 they're giving up 371 yards per game they're not great at creating turnovers where penn state is very good at creating turnovers um they're tied for excuse me they're tied for 72nd at 
creating turnovers. Um, their third down conversion defense, they're allowing 40% of third, their third downs being converted. That's only 63rd nationally. Um, now, they do get a, a like, they do create a havoc with sacks. They're tied for 16th with 34 total sacks this year. But again, Defensive end Cedric Johnson, who's tied for their team lead in sacks, um, he's out uh, for the bowl game. Uh, they do rank uh, 25th in tackles for loss as well. So their so their front seven um, does get to the quarterback and do, does do they do create um, stops behind the line in scrimmage, um, but they still do give up quite a bit of yards. Uh, scoring defense is respectable at 34th in the country, allowing 21.8 points per game. Um, so, you know, when it comes to stopping people getting into the end zone, they're doing their job in the top third uh, of, of college football. Um, rushing defense is middle of the pack, though. Um, they're behind Michigan State in, in that regard at 68th. And if That's you recall, tantalizing. If you recall what Penn State <laughs> did to Michigan State in the final game of the season, um, that's not good. <laughs> they're allowing 152 yards per game. So... Uh, and and to top it all off, uh, you know, as a total team, um, they are, are are highly penalized. They are 116th out of 130 in uh, penalties uh, assessed against them. So interesting. Yeah. Um, well, let's um, let's kind of bring this uh, all together. All of these things that we've talked about, um, and and just talk about. Okay, what does this look like in terms? of these matchups and what we expect to see on the field and how we, you know, what are the keys to the game? What's it going to take for Penn State to win? The first thing we want to just talk about here is who's going to be available for the game. You actually already mentioned it um, when talking about, um, you know, their offense, where you mentioned that Chop Robinson is an opt-out. Johnny Dixon, Dixon, a question mark, probably opting you out. You work on your diction there, Andy. It's Dixon. Dixon, Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... We do have a lot of guys that, although they're moving on to the NFL, have said they are playing in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, among those, Theo Johnson, Alu Fashionu. He said he's playing. I, I'm sure he's going to be. Oh, well, I don't know if he said he's playing. He's going to be. He's, at oh, he did? No, no, no. He said he's playing. Oh, good for him. Because, um, you know, and by That's the way, both amazing. of these, I, both I, of I these guys are team about, captains. I was talking about Olu on the tackle not playing just a few minutes ago and I I because I just assumed he wouldn't because I just that that boggles my mind. He's gonna be a top three, top five pick. Now how many snaps will he actually I, take? Right? Will he get like the Saquon Barkley treatment 10? on a snap count? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I mean I mean But look it, Olu and Theo, their team captains and, and Theo Johnson actually um told James Franklin at the beginning of the season, like I don't know what my future is, but I'm a team captain. I will tell you right now. I'm going to play in whatever bowl we're in. So that's actually wow. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't catch that news either. That that is. I I'm trying to place myself in those shoes at the beginning of the season. I think you know. Yeah, that makes sense as a captain. Like, why would you, you know, forsake Except, your team? Yeah. At the culmination of the season. Yeah. Yep. So two other guys who've already declared for the NFL but have said they are playing. Curtis Jacobs. That's a big. You know. That's Andy, a big thing for us, and Daquan Hardy as well. I'm thinking about this to myself, and I'm like, you know, this is the – we put so much stress uh, and emphasis on the regular season. Obviously, it's a very important piece of the puzzle here. But your final ranking doesn't that, – that, that, that happens in the books for all time, your final ranking. Yeah. That happens at the end of bowl season. Yep. And, and, and losing a game to, to a team ranked below you – 
at the end of the season is not going to help your final ranking. So, you know, if you want to put a, a exclamation point on your season, like last year, the, all the players that did play, did we? We only Jody Porter Jr. opted out last year. Correct. Yeah. You know, and and it didn't come back to bite us, obviously, but. That game mattered in a lot of ways, a lot of ways, and, and and I think you look no further than that game as to what it can mean to a team to finish in the top ten, and you give yourself a chance to by winning this game for sure. So yeah. it's a part now, of your, a part of your legacy to put your team in a best the best position possible to to win the last game to to get a better final ranking. Absolutely, and I, I, again, it just it speaks to the the culture uh, that James Franklin has created. At Penn State, um, there is one little tidbit. Absolutely does. That, uh, one little tidbit when when we were talking um, last episode about um, Manny Diaz leaving that that I found out since then. I just wanted to mention because yeah, while we're thinking about Penn State culture, it, that uh, Manny Diaz apparently after he interviewed at Duke. Um, you know, players assumed that they just were never going to see him again. Um, That's you know, customary and he was, for coaches just to move yeah, on without, like, yeah. you know, a yeah, ship he was in the offered night. the job. Oh. He was announced as the coach. Players was like, I, we won't see him again. He came back to Penn State. He showed up at a uh, a bowl, um, you know, preparation uh, practice, and um, he told the players that. Th- those guys, uh, you know, that were part of uh, his team these past two years, that they uh, gave him a love of coaching again. That it was his time at Penn State that told him and showed him that he he still loved the game of football and uh, made him want to be a coach again. And um, he credited Diaz, credited uh, Penn State with, um, you know, giving him this opportunity at Duke. And that's interesting because, you know, uh, I was talking to Dad on the drive home last night. About Tom Allen, and and I'm a little off base here because we're we're trying to talk about sure. <laughs> the ball yeah, game, whatever. but but you know uh, he was Manny Diaz was ousted unceremoniously from his alma mater, his dream job, and then you just just put yourself in those shoes for a second and, and think yeah. about how you might be feeling about your career, about your job, about college football, about football in general, and coaching it, and you're like, like screw this. You know, like I, I'm out. Like I, I have got, I got a lot of money now in my in the bank. Why do I need to go and coach right away? But James yep. Franklin called him like dang near immediately and convinced him to come on up and totally changed his perspective. And man, you know, on on what it means to be a, a coach again. And yeah, many yeah. even said with regard to to to. To James, like how, like, or, or well, sorry, with regard to the players and the other coaches, that he, if anyone, he said, if anyone had as much fun as we had out there, like, I don't, I don't know about it. Like, I don't know. Like, point, point him out to me. Like, he just, they had fun on, on, yeah. you know, under, underneath Manny and, of course, working under Franklin. So, and dad was telling me that, like, he was watching. Um, the presser with with Tom Allen and Tom Allen has been last you know since 2020 he's been getting beaten down yeah really course, badly you know, Tom Allen the guy who took Indiana to unprecedented heights you know and again he he gets a couple bad years and right. they were bad years but well, like you know he gets shown the boot you know with with a lot of money and years left on his contract you know yeah. he's got to be feeling pretty crummy you know about being treated that way too and so here. Here's the second defensive coordinator, um, you know, in th- two or three years now that, that Franklin's hiring as as a guy who's been cast off, you know, with with a money in the bank, 
<laughs> you know, and and he they're gonna they're gonna come he's gonna come resurrect his his love for the game because it, it dad was saying that he that he seemed like like Tom was relieved that that he's not not gonna be a head coach anymore and he's ecstatic that he's going back to his roots of being a defensive coordinator and being a, a defensive play caller um and, and and that's just that's exciting to me to know that what Manny just came through and did with his career um you know to revitalize it a Tom Allen could come and do the same but. I think the, the a difference between the two is I'm not sure Tom and this is not supposed to be a Tom Allen uh, you know <laughs> section right now but I'm not sure Tom Allen ever intended to be a head coach he got the job uh, Indiana yeah, hired him pl- plucked right. him out off the staff of Kevin Wilson and just promoted him after they fired Kevin Wilson for you know um, the, it wasn't hazing but he was like you know verbally a, a, abusing his players or whatever um, so it's you know it's it'll be interesting to see if the, if Tom Allen's the kind of if he has success is he the kind of guy who's just like happy to be where he is you know because yeah. obviously we knew Manny coming in he probably he already he talked about wanting to be a head coach again anyway so um, well, so yeah this whole thing was kind of started with just that the insight into culture and that. Yeah, you know right. these players who you know could really be looking to their own self interest are saying no no I'm going to contribute to the team even though I'm moving on to the NFL yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna be part of this bowl um, this bowl prep and this bowl um, game yeah so pretty cool so a got couple of guys in Theo's in Curtis is in Daquan Hardy is in I yeah, Curtis couple, I mean Curtis Jacobs um, but a couple co- guys we haven't heard from to my knowledge Adisa Isaac and Kalen King and that's with respect to either moving on to the NFL or playing. I know. predict Adisa Isaac will play. Uh, that's that's he's had quite the quite the uh, he's had to endure a lot uh, injury wise at Penn State, and I think it would mean a lot to him to probably play in the, the last possible game. Outside chance, both these guys come back, but I think the expectation is they're both moving on to the NFL. Oh no, yeah, um, they, they're gone. They're gone for but sure. The one guy who is a question mark that we know for sure is coming back, also playing in the bowl game, is tight end Tyler Warren. Uh, yeah, and here's an interesting tidbit about Tyler. Um, Tyler Warren is slowly, not, not so slowly, but quietly moving up the ranks of Penn State's tight end reception list. Um, yeah. And by the way, just just reception touchdown list in general. Um, he ranks, uh, he's actually tied with Theo Johnson with 11 touchdowns, which also ties him with and this is all time, by the way, all time touchdowns at Penn State. He he has eleven uh, receiving touchdowns, which ties him with Bryant Johnson. If you recall, he was a first yeah. round draft pick. Big name. Um, tied with Brenton Strange, a second round draft pick. Tied with Je- t- Jesse James, Freddie Scott, Tony Johnson, Keandre Lambert Smith. All right, one wow. behind one behind Parker Washington, who ranks sixteenth at Penn State all time. Two behind KJ Hamler. Uh, One more well, good it, season, man. He'll be climbing that's up. That's what that I'm list. saying. Yeah. And so here, here's where. So Pat Fryermuth ranks tenth all time with 16 touchdowns receiving uh, at Penn State. That is the number one uh, tight end touchdown mark uh, career receptions. Yeah, he is wow. five touchdowns away right now, Andy. Okay, from the all, from time with the a bowl game to play and all of next season <laughs> and and. Possibly a bowl game next season too. Yeah. yeah so and pretty potentially cool. a playoff bowl game rather. Um, <laughs> so so and he had I think he had what seven or seven or eight this year. Um, 
and 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 you know the tight the tight the Penn State tight end room led the country in touchdown catches. Well, it definitely seemed like every other touchdown pass was going to Tyler Warren. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a ton of yards, which right. you know inexplicably when our receivers were. Uh, uh, Let's not get into that. Really We've done that ears. episode. <laughs> so you'd like to think that Andy Kotelnicki can you know abuse a guy like Tyler Warren in the passing game because because he is a weapon and he's played wildcat quarterback for us too. Yeah. Um, well, in these next few minutes before we bring Joel in for yeah. uh, some by the numbers, uh, bro, what are you thinking about this matchup? What do we need to do to um, you know find success on offense and defense? What are some of the keys to the game? Um, we need to do what we've been doing all year long and not turning the ball over. Absolutely. And then, and then we need to do what we haven't been doing all year long, which is untimely <laughs> penalties. All right. Um, I yeah, gotta limit those mistakes. Well, I'm I'm really curious about how the defense is going to be called. It's going to be the first game where Manny Diaz is not a part of the defensive uh, p- game planning and play calling. But you know, it there's a month. Uh, well, not quite a month, but um. A good, a good long bit where we probably, you know, with Anthony Poindexter probably knew that Manny was going to move on, so he was probably given the the game planning duties earlier on, even before Manny <laughs> officially moved on. Um, so the good news is Anthony Poindexter has, for the five seasons prior, or well, for, for five seasons before this year, he has either been a, a co-DC or a DC this is not like something he's unprepared for. And yeah. the, the other good news is he's an all-American safety, or, or, or at least defensive back. I forget if he was a cornerback or a safety in college. But um, so he knows the back end very well. And Terry Smith is a, a you know the, the, our cornerbacks coach. The two of them, they they know what they're doing in, in the secondary. So you know this is a a a defensive um, job that you know we're going to be needing to cover a lot of receivers for sure. So I think these two guys are the guys to to, to figure it out, and I think we got some good players that are they're going to be able to run with these guys. Um, so it is very very crucial to to our success that that our defense remain playing uh, to the standard that they have. You know, been holding all year long. Now, when it comes, like I said, comes to the offense, not turning the ball over is important. I think this is a critical, critical game for the the maturation and the and the development of Drew Aller. Okay. Um, now I know he's his quarterbacks coach is gone in Mike Yersich, but he's got a guy named Danny O'Brien um, who's been working with him, and he's been an off-the-field analyst but he, uh, prior to this year, but he's been a, um, a graduate assistant this year. He's allowed to have contact with the players, and he's he's a guy that Penn State almost gotten uh, as a graduate uh, transfer from his Maryland days, playing days, and uh, he's a smart kid. He's a good quarterback, and he knows the game, and he's his tutelage will probably be very important to to what Drew is going to do in this game. And I think as as far as you know, the development of Drew Aller. To go and play, you know, down in SEC territory in Atlanta against a, a, a top, you know, nearly top ten SEC foe, you gotta, you gotta. He has to show up in this game in ways that he did not against Michigan and Ohio State. Like you just, we can't have him 
Now, granted, the SEC, uh, excuse me, uh, Ole Miss's defense is nothing like Michigan's and Ohio State's, but it's still a big game, all right? And it's a road game, too. It's a noon game. Right. And and these are things that Drew has not looked good uh, so far during. So I am very eager to see if Drew is going to live up to some of the expectations um, as being a a great quarterback. And I feel like it starts here. It's like a, it's a, it's a, you know, this is the, the 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 diving board. You got you like this is this is the diving board game for next season, the offseason and next season. Because if he plays the way we all think he can, next year might be his last year. So I feel like it has to start today. You know, in this yeah. Peach Bowl. Uh, so for me, um, you know, on on defense, obviously our secondary is going to be you know totally uh, important in in. You know, finding a way to limit their passing attack, which clearly, you know, three 700 plus yard receivers, that's, uh, you know, that's going to be formidable for yeah. sure. But, you know, Alabama and Georgia found a way to slow them down significantly. And we're going to have to sort of figure out what they did to do that. But I do yeah, the think, blueprints are there. I do think that a big part of the puzzle is going to be our front seven and how much disruption we can create uh, against Jackson Dart and, um, you know, also like stuffing their run game. You know, if we make them one dimensional, we can, you know, pin our ears back and go after Jackson Dart and contain him. Um, you know, if we can, you know, if he doesn't have a 300 yard day, it's going to be a good day for us, you know? Um, so I, I think our pass rush is going to be critical. It's definitely going to hurt to have chop Robinson out, but you know, we got a lot of talented guys, um, on that line and, and hopefully Anthony Porndexter and company can, find a way to um you know you know do some creative havoc throughout the game that will put us in a good position and then i think on the flip side bro two things number one our offensive line is going to be significant in the success that we have i mean they've have been great all season uh keeping drew upright um you know the the defensive front of Ole Miss has been known to create uh sacks and tackles for loss so if we can limit those negative plays that's going to be big and then like you said if we can find a way to get some downfield passes and longer runs you know we did some pretty interesting things in that Michigan State game uh to get our playmakers in space we're going to need to do that again i think because we're going to have to find a way to counteract that potent Ole Miss offense without having to dink and dunk all the way through. By the way, Ole Miss, uh, like we said, they don't turn the ball over a lot. So the likelihood is we're going to have long fields and you're going to have to have long uh, passing and running plays in order to help you get downfield. That's going to be critical for us, I think, uh, on Saturday as well. Yeah. Well, with that, bro, let's go ahead and bring Joel Bettner in for one final time. Last by the numbers of the season, here we go. Not alert. By the numbers. Not alert. By the numbers. Not alert. By the numbers. Uh, Joel, welcome back. Howdy, fellas. Merry you Christmas. Had a good month off. <laughs> <laughs> I've been just just out here stewing in uh, in wanting football back. Hasn't been snowing here in the mountains, and I'm going stir crazy. Well, well, at least you get to ski, man. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I dismiss your complaint entirely. (laughs) I said it has not been snowing here in the mountains, and that's oh, it has not been snowing. Oh, yeah. Tom and I both heard you said it has been snowing. No, enunciate. 
Are you like um are, are you like in White Christmas where they get up to Vermont and they're like, "Hey, where's all the snow?" No, not quite like that. We we have okay. had a few storms but you the past week. You can still ski up at the Targhee. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I'm still skiing regularly, but uh, yeah. but not, not the pow in the back country that you've been craving. Is that what I'm to understand? It's, it's not quite up to my standard. I have oh, high standards, we, boys. We wow. really feel for you. We, <laughs> yeah. we, we hurt for you, Joel. Yeah, imagine <laughs> if you still lived in Pennsylvania, Joel. All right. Well, <laughs> Joel, I have not had measurable snow in Maryland for like two and a half years. Oh, I just why yeah. would you? Why would you live there? Well, he's not a skier. <laughs> I, also, I have a job here. <laughs> anyway, right. um, so, well, Joel, you mentioned like pining for college football, and we're going to have one more glorious week, a bonanza, a smorgasbord, a, uh, a gluttony, uh, a, a, a binge of college football, and uh, one of the, uh, the, the creme de la creme will be the, the Peach Bowl. And um, I assume you have some numbers for us to think about, and probably Joel, we need to we need to review the last yeah, result speaking, from Michigan State all the way back a month ago. <laughs> Great. Speaking of a feast, that was that that was a a wow. I mean, I thought we were going to win that game, but we did it in emphatic fashion against the Spartans. Um, now I don't know if that's because we were so great or because they were so terrible. But I'll take <laughs> right. it. I'll take it. Um, so let's, let's jump into those questions real quick. So the, the first question I asked you guys is, will we have more than 150 passing yards? Our passing was looking not so, not so stellar. It was up and down, but never great. Uh, we had, a, we had a great, great day. 303 passing yards on the day. Andy, you went over Tom, you went under Andy with the point coming out of the gate. Wait, strong. Boom. Wait it says, but it says here that Andy took the under. Oh, did I get that wrong? Oh, and I took the over. Ooh, Ooh, I did. And, I did, I did label it what? wrong. You did, and that changes everything, Joel. Wow, it does. That it changes does. everything. Let's see. <laughs> so here. Joel screwed up, and I didn't, and I was right. And um, you may proceed. <laughs> then I asked, him, "Will Will Bo Pribula take a snap in the first half? We'd been using him, but pretty much only in the second yeah. half, only for runs." And yes, you guys both said yes that he would, and yes, he did, and he even had an eight-yard uh, touchdown pass to Tyler Warren. It was good to see they f- finally got him to use his arm a little bit. Yeah, right. I'll, it was an o- interesting only eight yards, pass but I'll play take too. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then the over/under on KLS having three and a half receptions. Uh, <laughs> I, this this blows my mind. Blows my so, mind. So Andy, you went with over. Tom, you went with under. I mean, he he had only one reception, but it was for twenty two yards. How do we not get the ball to that guy more? I don't know. He he just goes. His he went away in the second or the the last third of the season, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't know if that's something, something with him or something with a scheme or just getting taken away by opposing defenses. Yeah. yeah. And 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 by all counts, I'm hearing that that he might return to Penn State still, which is wild because it, it will be his fifth year playing uh, yeah. because he played as a freshman. So wow. anyways, I won that one. All right. Sounds good. Yep. Tom, Tom, not looking good. Tom up two points. Uh, then I, I uh, asked you guys, Ohio State had two sacks against uh, MSU the two weeks prior. And so I was trying to compare some common component, uh, common opponents. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, what are you're going with the over the under on two and a half sacks against MSU? You guys both went over, and it was you were correct, and it was a glorious seven sacks. Oh, yeah, we murdered. Just, that seemed like an easy one, honestly. We murdered. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, OSU only getting two and a half. That's are get, getting two. That's that's surprising. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's point. something that Ohio State didn't do a lot of this year was get, getting to the quarterback. And by then comparison. Indiana and Ohio State each had six tackles for losses against the Spartans. I asked if we'd be over or under six and a half to you guys. You guys both went over, and we destroyed <laughs> we that six it. and a half. We, yeah, we, <laughs> 12 tackles for loss. I mean, it was... Yeah, that was, like was, you said, it was a, a fun game to watch. <laughs> it was, I, I was embarrassed for them. Yeah, and it was an embar- <laughs> it was embarrassing for, like, they even came out, some of the prior, you know, players came out and said that was possibly the most embarrassing loss of Michigan State you know, had endured in recent memory. Yeah, so they just gave up in the game. T- Tom, you you pit, you shut your brother out this week. You, yes. you actually got a shutout, just like Penn State got a shutout. You went well, Andy, uh, but Andy got the score prediction correct. So he, I got a sh- I I got a shutout in the actual um, by the numbers, but he he got me on the uh, the score prediction. So, but uh, Tom won. He goes to five, Andy at six. So this bowl game Yikes. by the numbers is for Speaking all Speaking of marbles. disappearing toward the end of the season, I... <laughs> uh, well, now, hold on, though. So, so like I said, Andy got the score prediction correct. Now, I so right now, uh, Andy's up six to five on the season. On the season. On the season. Yep. So, so this, this bowl game going into the Peach Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, because remember there was two. (laughs) No, 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 no. There was there was was one episode, bro, where you weren't available, so we didn't do by the numbers uh, that episode. So that's why our thirteenth game, but it only be our twelfth. Wait, I was not available. Yeah, you remember you missed an episode. I had dad on. Oh, I don't recall that. because <laughs> no, you weren't there. Okay. 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 So how how are we gonna do? How are we gonna tie break this? Remember, we asked it, questions at the beginning of the season. Oh, and that, that, is, not, that is not that is not. That okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay, yeah, thank that heavens. That is the tiebreaker. Thank heavens. Well, and so, I don't even know, I don't even remember what we said. I don't remember what the questions were. <laughs> Me neither. And that'll be very interesting if that comes into play. Yeah. But you still got to win. You still got to. I got to win this week. I still got to win this week. So, wow. Uh, game score. See if I can finish it in the, uh, you know, during uh, regulation. Yeah. We pitched another shutout, which was beautiful. Um, so another shutout on the season. Wonderful, forty-two nothing. Andy, you went with thirty-eight to six. Tom, you went thirty-five thirteen. Andy won the score prediction for the uh, Michigan Parker. State game. Now let's move on to the Peach Bowl. What I've okay. done in the Bowl. past, I looked at you know individual matchups or um, with these bowl games, it's hard to really do something like that because of the opt-outs. Because so I I, I tried to go with more just team statistics stuff. Yeah, or I or I look at things like common opponents. What have we done against common opponents? We don't share any common opponents. No, so, we don't. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I went with uh, went with team statistics here. Ole Miss had three thousand three hundred nineteen yards passing on two hundred and thirty completions for the season, averaging nine point four yards per pass. Pretty good. Yikes. Penn State two thousand four hundred fifty two on two twenty six completions for six point six yards per pass. So similar number of completions, but a very different yardage average. 
So which team do you think will have the higher passing average in the Peach Bowl? Can Penn State turn it around, or will uh, Ole Miss continue this pretty impressive yards per average? Tom, you are up first. Okay. I am absolutely going to say Ole Miss. Um, I don't think whatever we did against Michigan State is going to be quite what we end up doing against Ole Miss. Um, So, yeah, I'm going Ole Miss. you know, for me, it, it it may come down to what our defense does. And I'm getting you know, and late. how will our defense, who's been you know really great um, against the pass, now you know Jackson Dart's probably one of the better quarterbacks we've been uh, we faced through the season, and this is probably the maybe the best passing attack we'll face. And what's that going to do to their average once they face our defense? Jeez, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I yeah, and their defense Just is pick. not spectacular either. <laughs> their defense is not spectacular. So yeah. like, uh, gosh, um, I, I'm gonna have to play it safe though and go Ole Miss. I think we're gonna try to lean on a run game and um, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. go Ole Miss. Ole Miss is safe because I also am not entirely sure, you know, how long our starting cornerbacks will be getting snaps mm-hmm. as well. Boy, if one, they, th- get if their they passing even decide game, to play. Even if they I'll tell you what, though. If they get their pass game going, it's going to be a, a long day for us. It's it's not going to feel very good. All right. All right. Question number two. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Ole Miss has 2,148 uh, yards rushing on 488 carries for the season for an average of 4.4. Penn State, 2,240 yards rushing on 487 carries uh, for an average of 4.6. So these are extremely similar ground attack numbers. So we're only off, number of carries is different by one. One. (laughs) One. Yeah. Uh, Less than 100 yards difference in total rushing on the season. Um, So this is, this one, who's going to have more rushing yards not a higher rushing average but just more rushing yards i have a little more confidence with this answer uh i'm gonna say penn state has more total rushing yards i don't think their rush defense is able to really bottle us up and i think we're probably one of the better rush defenses if not the best that they've seen i mean statistically we're one of the best in the country and um so i think we'll be able to stop their ground attack all right tom well, that's an interesting answer, Andy. Um, I'll have to agree yeah, of course. with you. Um, uh, and Penn State will, I, I just, something tells me that we're, that our defensive front will will be better than their defensive front and our two running backs will be better than their two running backs. Um, I just, I have a good feeling about it. And, and by the way, Bo Pribula could do a little running himself. Um that's just my take. Uh, and, and, and to be clear, it's total yards, not average. And that's right. why I'm choosing Penn State. Okay, so moving on to question three. Ole Miss's defense has a proud 16 turnovers on the season. However, Penn State's very proud defense has 24 turnovers on the season. Now, it's always, though, kind of like a, some of those turnovers came in big chunks. Um, so in the Peach Bowl... Will the turnover battle be a win, lose, or draw for Penn State? Oh, that's interesting. That's really is interesting. My, is it my turn? It is Tom. Andy turn. had the first last time, so I'm going to take it. Um, 
I have a feeling that Penn State will win the turnover battle. And I think it'll be, it doesn't matter where which way it is, but my personal take is that um, Jackson Dart throws the ball quite a bit. Um, and, you know, he has five interceptions on the season. Drew Aller has one. You know, we've, we've turned the ball over um, – one less time, I think, than they have on the season, um, but they haven't played our defense like ours too often this season either. So um, I'm going to take Penn State's defense on this. I'm going to say that I'm not going to say how many. I'm just going to say we win the turnover battle, and I do believe it'll be a, a, a bit of a difference in the game. And it's interesting right. because both of these offenses do not turn the ball over at all, um, and. Um, even though Penn State's got a, a, a not at ball hawking five defense. interceptions for Jackson. Dark. I mean, I just outlined it. <laughs> I, thank you for clarifying, bro. Um, I'm going draw on this one. I think it's going to be a draw. All right. All right. Finally, the first you and I have a difference in our answers. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, we could both be wrong if Penn State loses. <laughs> That's true. All right. So. Ole Miss defense has 34 sacks on the season. Again, very proud sack number. However, mm-hmm. an even more proud sack number is 49 sacks on the season for Penn State's defense. Same thing. Will it be in the sack battle? Will it be a win, lose, or draw for Penn State? Now, this is interesting to me because Penn State's lost their defensive coordinator and also one of their and sack Chop. leaders in Chop Robinson. And even Johnny Dixon, if he doesn't play, he has a lot of sacks yeah. as a defensive back. Yeah, and um, in, in addition to that, Jackson Dart is a mobile quarterback who Penn State's ha- type of quarterback Penn State's had trouble with in the past. We haven't played many mobile quarterbacks this year, um, but I'm still going Penn State on uh, winning the sack battle. I got to do the same. I got to go Penn State. Okay, so so far we only have one that can that can make or break a (laughs) season here. What? Um, Now this This question number five. (laughs) A a bit of a a bit of a lead into this question. So when Ole Miss lost this season, they lost by fourteen points to Bama and by thirty-five points to Georgia. When Penn State lost this season, we lost by eight points to OSU and nine points to Michigan. Key win for Ole Miss includes a six-point win against LSU. But outside of that, they did not beat an SEC team with a winning conference record. Uh, Interesting, Joel. Key wins for Penn State include a 31-point beatdown of uh, Iowa and a 28-point beatdown of Northwestern, who both had winning uh, conference records. Outside of that, though, we didn't play a Big Ten team with a winning conference record. What I glean from these numbers is that when Penn State plays good opponents, they either blow them out or lose a close game. Hmm. When Old Miss plays good opponents, they either get blown out or they win a close game. Vegas currently has Penn State favored by three and a half. Are you taking the over or the under on that? Because I find that number to be odd. If they so think you're we're going to win, we typically if, win big. If they're right. going to, the, you know, when they lose, so, they typically lose big. So if they think we're going to win, I feel like we should be favored by more. But anyway, that's I, I get I get your point for sure. Um, so we're, you're just as, so you're just asking if if we're going to 
win by by more than three and a half, or we're gonna lose, or we're gonna win a very close game, or lose the well, game so at all. Be, because Vegas thinks we're gonna win, I'm surprised yeah. that they think we're only gonna barely win. Okay, so because every time we've beaten a good opponent, we've destroyed them, and any time that um, Ole Miss has lost to a good opponent, they've been destroyed. I'm not exactly calling I'm Northwestern go- a good opponent. <laughs> I'm just going with conference, sure. they, conference they, they d- winning record. Yeah. Yeah. That is fair. Uh, they Better do have than a conference winning record, Andy. Better than Texas yeah. A&M. Better right, than bro, a lot I think this of those. is you on the answer. Okay. So I am going to go, uh, like, recall back to the Rose Bowl game of last year in Utah. And I don't remember what the spread was on that um, at all. It was supposed but to be I, a close game. Yeah, I do, I think so as well. Seven? Are you saying seven, I Joel? Six. I think it was six. six. Yeah, it, it was close. It was it was like less than a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, I do remember that. Um, and we were favored, but um, we blew them out. We put on a show, <laughs> you know. So I'm gonna go over. Yeah. Well, interesting. Last year, Utah was a team really known for its defense. Defense. I agree. And uh, this year, we we're playing a team known for its offense, but. I, I, I also say, am taking the over in the game as well, uh, which is 48 and a half, I think, uh, just for what it's worth. I do think more points will be scored, but I do think Penn State will win by more than three and a half. Yeah, I've got to say the same. Okay. All right. So it really all boils down. <laughs> it could to, be a draw, by the way, still. The turnover battle. It could be a draw. Yeah. Because it, neither because both of us could be wrong yep. in that. That's true. That's, so that's nuts. Now it comes down to the game score prediction, boys. Uh, I guess Andy, I'm up first for this. What you got? Um, I do think our our offense is going to surprise some folks and have a great game. I do think our defense will hold Ole Miss uh, to a lower point total than um, you know the, the most points we've given up this season. So I'm going to say. Uh, a Penn State win, uh, forty-two to twenty-one. Forty-two. Wow! All Wowza! Right. Um, I love it. Yeah, I, 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 I would love up. that. I would love that. Um, forty-two is my number, by the way, and I currently live on Twenty-first uh, Avenue in Denver, and the house number that I'm recording this episode in is also forty-two. I also have forty-two shamrocks on my arm. <laughs> I did not know uh, that actually. And 42 is the answer to life, the meaning of it. As we and all everything. know. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's a good number, Andy. I just, I, I don't think we'll score 42. Hmm. Um, I'm thinking more like 35, um, 35 to 21 is what it feels like to me. Interesting. Yeah. Good guys. Hey, this right. is fun, guys. What a, what a season, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's uh, appropriate here at this point to... Now, Joel, maybe we'll bring you back to do the do the review after the Peach Bowl yeah. so you can take yeah, us yeah, through yeah. it. Because we also got to... If we tie it up, we got to figure out you know what the results are from that preseason. So I think we'll yep. yeah. I think we'll have you back one more time. But I just want to say it's been really fun having you on the podcast this season. Thanks yeah. for joining us, man. Been What's pleasure, your boys? take, Joel? How, how have you enjoyed this season being part of not just the mailbag anymore as Joel <laughs> Betaner 
or whatever names you've concocted, which have always been very funny to me. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never written into the mailbag. It's <laughs> very good point. <laughs> <laughs> it's been wonderful, fellas. Great. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. And all right, all right Merry Christmas. Yeah, happy we skiing are. and Merry Christmas. Yeah, we'll see you after the new year, man. Take care, Take boys. Care. And then Andy, um, so, you know, with regard to the next episode, um, I think we'll have at least one more episode before uh, we conclude. Yeah. You know, as Tom's saying, everyone, we will be with you for at least one more episode in the new year. Um, Tom and I have not as yet determined when that will be. Um, you know, of course, New Year's Day is uh, our typical recording day on a Monday. So uh, that that puts both Tom and I, and Tom's traveling back to Pencil- uh, from Pennsylvania to yeah. Colorado. So a, I could put a wrench in our are unclear about when well. that's going to occur, but it will occur. Um, we will recap the Peach Bowl, and um, it's possible, outside chance, that maybe we even get uh, a second episode in the new year just to kind of put a bow on things, but at least one more. Um, but for now, that's your Peach Bowl preview. Thanks for joining with us, uh, not just for the episode, but also for the season. Hope you all have a, a great holiday. Uh, enjoy the football smorgasbord as it unfolds here in the next few weeks and uh, looking forward to a, a great Peach Bowl performance by Penn State. Bro, anything what? else to say? Oh, I'm not your... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm good. And then I'll always <laughs> it always starts with mm, and, and ends, ends with, with oh. oh. <laughs> it always mm, starts with mm, Milano. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go. It always starts with I love you, and it always ends with I love you. We are Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. We blew that. All right, cool. See you next year. (laughs) That's true. See you next year, bro. (laughs) Actually, I'll see you on the 27th. Yeah, looking forward to it. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year.